I'm starting to think Russell might have had some Kylie Minogue on, on the pre-match uh, playlist there because he because he was definitely spinning around, told, told defenders move out of my way. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome, Sacramento soccer fans, to the State of the Republic podcast. I'm your host, Luis, and before we get started, uh, there is uh, something I want to say out there. I want to put a message out there, especially for all the people who saw the game yesterday, who know that it was broadcasted nationally, and we got maybe a lot of people that had never seen a game in Sacramento before, uh, again, on television, primarily to those people. Our fans are very well behaved. Um, any issue that you saw yesterday was not in any way reflective of the fan base in Sacramento and unfortunately those situations happened yesterday and it really angered myself here and I'm sure Sharon and Jared felt the same way as they saw it themselves as well. We're going to be talking about some of the things that went on yesterday around the match, before the match, um, during the match to a, a few things to point out as well we have a few topics here to discuss also we're going to be talking about podcast winner dinner because we do have a winner we have our final standings here in the competition so stay tuned in to find out who won and uh, what those standings uh, look like here and last we'll be talking about what's next for sac republic for things around the league what can we expect uh, next year and also what you can expect from the podcast because even though the season might be over for SAC, it's not over for us because we don't really have an off season. <laughs> we just won't be talking about games, of course. Uh, but that is what we have in store for us here tonight on this episode. So let's go ahead and get started with this. Introducing our amazing co-hosts here that you listen to during most of the season here, Sharon and Jared. But first, as I always like to, Kick it over to Sharon and Elk Grove. How's it going, Sharon? I hope you're doing a little bit better than than I'm sure you know me and you were yesterday. <laughs> yeah, yesterday was definitely hang dog face, but you know, I gotta hand it to John, who, you know, when we stood at the rail, we were clapping for the players as we saw them and thanking them for a season. What do you say? I mean, like, what do you say after? something like that. You, It's almost like we're at a loss for words, but John was adult enough, so to speak, and, you know, just clapped for anybody he could. You know, we were hollering out. We didn't know if the guys could hear us because, you know, they right. I, the last thing they probably really wanted to do was interact with fans because they were disappointed. They knew we were disappointed and and sad. You know, I will have to say I'm not as sad because today I was able to celebrate my mom's 93rd birthday. And who gets to do that? Not many people get to do that with their parents. You know, I have one parent left and it's my mom and she's 93 today and she's fabulous. We did a bunch of stuff. She was a trooper. And so it kind of helped heal the bitter pill that we had to deal with yesterday, you know, kind of get rid of the open wound. It doesn't feel as open. <sighs> Next. <laughs> Jared, that's that's my description for these twenty four hours. Yeah, I I'll go I'll go into it in a glass of gratitude, but kind of glad that I ended up not staying for the uh, the watch party. But yeah, I mean, I, I totally get where the players are coming from. I mean, having 
basically the game in hand for 80 minutes and then you know what proceeds that's that's going to be a demotivator for for anybody so it's the, I mean, the best we could do is, you know, like show our appreciation for the players. I mean, I totally get they may not have been fully up for being out, out on the field as long as they have, but it's it's just a weird feeling. I mean, that's that's all I can say. It's a weird feeling for for everyone. But from from here now, we just uh, focus on transactions during the off season, what the league has in store for us by next March. So, yeah. But I guess on the good side, if you can call it that, my uh, darker waves uh, budget just went up a couple hundred dollars. <laughs> but I don't think pizza pizza skulls are going to fill this void. How about you, Louise? Yeah, you know, Jared, my arms are going around you and and Louise. You know, we hugged last night, and you know, with Alicia there, and. And, you know, we hugged as many of our friends as we possibly could and, you know, whispered the words, I'm so sorry, in each other's ear. And, you know, I don't know, Luis, your heart, we're all three of us, you know, we bleed old glory red. And how are you doing today? You seem to have captured the essence of recovery a lot quicker than Jared and I. And I, I praise you for that. I know you're frustrated, but I think you... You said you already won a championship. I'll let you tell us a little more about that. Yeah. Um, yeah. It was something I'd said yesterday because I'm a big believer in, you know, who you spend your time with, especially as you're watching the game matters a lot. And I, I felt like a champion just being right there next to my girlfriend, especially in these tough times in terms of the sport, right? Not to make it seem like it was really something really bad, right? It's just in our fandom, right? When it comes to soccer. I think what really also helped me out is that I've experienced this already. Of course, not with Sac Republic, with Cruz Azul. And people who follow Liga Mekis, they they know our story. They know with Cruz Azul, we're kind of used to the fact that those very last minutes could turn into a disaster because we've gotten scored so many times at the end of games and let alone the final in 2013 where we were literally just like, minutes away from being champions and then it all kind of just went away and it became this big nightmare so so i've kind of been used to that not that it's a good thing to be used to those situations in the sport but it was a little tough for me too because i never witnessed anything like that in person and it's just it's a little more difficult when you have to deal with that but i think what helped me i think cope through it a little bit better is the fact that we didn't deserve to win and Phoenix, 100%, even though they were down 1-0, even though, you know, it was the, they were 10 minutes away from being knocked out, it was a bit, I think, maybe unfair for them, right? And I think we'd be saying the same thing had it been the other way around. And we know that's the other way the sport is. And sometimes the team that wins isn't the team that deserves to win. But, you know, luck was in uh, Phoenix's way. And, you know, Destiny made sure that, you know, they were compensated as as they should because they just kept trying. And, you know, I might be here sitting. We'll talk about the goals and mistakes that were made, not just by us, but the riff itself and all that. But at the end of the day, they, they did the effort, right? And, you know, if they weren't pushing up front, they wouldn't have the opportunities and all that. And so it was it was one of those things where I was more disappointed, I think, at the end with our team than with anything else. and. You know, I would have felt, I think, a lot different if we would have deserved to win and then Phoenix would have just gotten the goals out of pure luck. 
out of just having two opportunities and they got their goal and we had 20 shots and you know no goal that would have been a complete different situation but yeah we knew this was going to happen potentially because we were facing a tough opponent and you know all we got to do like i said earlier here is just move on and you know just focus next year and try to make it here right we made it here and you know we made it further on we won the championship in 2014 so that that means that you know we could we could get there again you know we're yeah. we're, we're gonna go through this <laughs> you know this is so funny we really brought it as the 12th man or 12th whatever you know the fans mm-hmm. we brought it the stadium was packed but you know what phoenix the whole entire time kept their cool you know we were saying boo to the number five every time he <laughs> touched the ball it worked in not in our favor it worked in their favor i swear goodness gracious all of the chance all of the crowd noise they steeled themselves against that and turned it into theirs their motivation it was it was uncanny how well the number five defender kept his cool for the pretty much the whole match well yeah he got a yellow card but it doesn't matter he he played nine you know his full 90 with being booed every time because that's the his fan base was saying his name which sounds a lot like boo and so we repeated the chant apparently by booing every time he touched the ball and it didn't even affect him and the whole stadium booed the whole Mm. stadium was booing this guy (laughs) and it didn't affect him you realize if that were me in that position and i hurt I, i think it would get under my skin but those players <laughs> on phoenix they have, they really did they are a second half team number one right you know unlike the kings the sacramento kings sorry jared um the <laughs> if you could just see jared's face right now i got a i got a deadpan <laughs> did you just roll your eyes no, this is what happens when you follow the Kings for as long as I have. And and also being a Jets fan, you, you just get numb to it. Uh, but uh, <laughs> but I mean, I, I, I totally I, I get where you're coming from. <laughs> That's why it's so easy for me to go. Eh. You know, when you mentioned you know, that the Kings not having such a great season so far, but uh, they're, they're all like this. But yeah, yeah it's. It, you need mm. to be strong in the second half. We've done that in the past. We just didn't do it. Last night at Phoenix did. And I think, Louise, we're going to talk about it. We're going to talk about, you know, the, the strengths of both teams. But I'll tell you what, with Phoenix coming out way stronger than we were in the second half. And there was reasons they were stronger and it may have to do with a couple of this or whatnot. But anywho, <laughs> yeah. and injuries and referee. I know, Louise, you want to get on to Golazes of Gratitude. Oh, my goodness. How do you switch your brain? <laughs> I know. Uh, yeah. Well, but before we get into situations that happen in the game and all that as always right we, we like to start with the positivity of of things that went on so sharon go ahead and introduce your segment and now one of my favorite segments glosses of gratitude where each of our hosts takes a minute to reflect and express gratitude to people situations or events that have touched them anyhow let's go Let's hear some galazas of gratitude. So to start off some of our individual uh, wishes of gratitude or, or, you know, moments of thankfulness, I just got to hand it to the tailgate. Man, 
I was there yesterday and I was roaming through the tailgate. I was starting to get more and more of a feeling of what, I don't know how many thousand people participated in the tailgate, but it was rocking, you know, from things like, oh, just every kind of food you can imagine, everybody grilling, everybody happy playing, you know, cornhole was all over the place, kids playing in the parking lot, you know, different, just so much happening, you know, and having friends and the jello shots and thank you, Don, I really appreciate that. And, you know, the different, the Desmodor, De, how do you pronounce it? Des, Desma, it's the part the, of the tower group. The, the, the Desmadrosos? Thank you. Yeah. Yes. They were so funny. We had such a good time. I mean, from holding on to, <laughs> this is so funny, um, electric current standing in a circle, and I'll post that eventually on my social media. They all did like a circle handhold while somebody turned on electric current to the first person and the whole circle gets jolted. It's like, well, who does that? But they did. <laughs> so I have to just a huge gloss of gratitude to the spirit and the, you know, the wonderfulness of the tailgate folks and the Tower Bridge Battalion. And, you know, mostly to our club, our front office, everybody involved with taking us through the season with them and all the highs and lows. That's why we love sports. That's why we keep coming back more and more watching Russell score a goal last night was the way he scored it was something I haven't seen in a long time. You know, his, uh, I, I just got to hand it to him. It was just a beautiful, beautiful goal. Appreciate that a, a million times come Sunday. And then also to a few other people, Tim, Tim Reister, I think that's how you pronounce his name. He's one of the founders of Phoenix Rising. And I didn't realize who he was initially. And I was chatting with him and we got into a nice conversation about the USL and how we wanted every team to be like Sacramento with respect to fan base, with, you know, vibe and, you know, fight and grit. And they, the, the USL wants that for every single team and they want that for Phoenix. And then I quietly said, well, what about building a, uh, you know, fully enclosed stadium that's air conditioned. And he chuckled and he goes, we would love that. But it was so nice talking with somebody just on a human level, even though they were from Phoenix and they were a founder. Appreciated that. And I appreciated being able to talk to Jordan Stewart last night. And if anybody wants to know who that is, just Google him. Jordan Stewart, San Jose Earthquakes, Jordan Stewart, English Premier League, whatever. Just the nicest guy. We chatted for a brief bit, found out that he's working with the Academy. I think he's getting his he's getting the highest level certification with UEFA. So just really proud of him and his accomplishments where he's going and, and that he was at the match last night. And of course, Paul Buckle, you know, for always being a gracious former boss of mine when he was the coach and, you know, it was just lovely to see him and I really appreciate all of that. So, and you guys beyond compare, I appreciate you guys, Jared, Luis, you are, you know, golden. Jorge, John, Tina, Jane, Chris, Anselin, Rosa, all of y'all, you know, you're just wonderful people. And Bridget and Ted and Karen and her husband, everybody last night made my experience memorable, unforgettable. And you will soon see <laughs> my reel when I get a chance to post it. Thank you so much. Jared, GG's. All right. Well, First of all, I do want, want to give a glass of gratitude to, to my friend Bree, who turned out might have been a blessing in disguise. We 
initially went to the watch party here in Phoenix, but then she didn't really feel all, all that great. So we decided, you know, just to, to head head on home, you know, she dropped me off and everything like that. In, in the back of my mind, I wanted to at least stay around, but now I'm kind of glad that I didn't. But, you know, other than that, we had a great time earlier at the Scottsdale Polo party earlier in the day. So definitely glad she was able to uh, uh, allow me to go with her to that. But more as far as the season goes, I definitely want to give a glass of gratitude uh, to the players, current, uh, current members, former members that we've had on the podcast uh, throughout the year that we've interacted with both at home and on the road. Also to the front office and especially uh, Connor uh, uh, Sutton, you know, it's always welcome on here and always great hearing from him, whether it be on, on his podcast or social media, anything like that. So, you know, thank, thank you all to our listeners as, as well throughout the season who've been able to give us uh, feedback, both uh, positive and otherwise. <laughs> I mean, with, with without without you folks listening to us or interacting with us, I mean, we basically don't ha- have any, anything. So we're we're definitely grateful. I'm grateful for everyone that we interact with. It's it's just a little difficult, but you know what? We've had ten of these seasons so far, and each season seems to get better and better every year, with the exception of 2021. But you know, it's we've got a decade under our belt. We have uh, further history, so now's the time to build on that second decade and even more years with everyone in the State of the Republic uh, podcast family. I mean, not just our listeners, not just Republic FC folks, but also our Central Valley soccer folks. I mean, we have folks like like Academica SC. We have Stuck, Stuck in Cargo, California Storm. We're going to get another season with them, and I thank thank them. You know, I'm grateful that. You know, we've been able to have them on this year, and we hope to have them on for for many more. So it's, yeah, the uh, the list is ever growing. So, you know, we we thank you all. And, uh, yes, we're we're gonna get through this. Uh, so I apologize in advance. As for mine, first one goes out to my girlfriend Alicia for having the best I think game day experience that we've ever had before at a game, and I know that I'm not counting the score, whatever happened in the game and all that. But just so y'all know, when we were going on the way to Sacramento, she actually was designing these really awesome trading cards, which we'll eventually share them. Speaking of Sac Republic trading cards, which an idea for anyone who's listening on the team, make some trading cards for next season so people get to know more of the players and maybe sell them, do a whole like entire team set of them and maybe do a thing where you do that every year. So we start building up these like, yearbook of of sorts i think that would be a really great thing but she did those we went to get them printed out we cut them out we were going to get them signed by the players and unfortunately i mean we know what happened with the game we were only able to get nick ross's autograph but any other players that come back that we had cards for which wasn't the entire team we only had a few players uh Hopefully we're able to get some of their autographs for next season. We also had a really great time before the game. I have to say, if you guys haven't tried the foods and the different food trucks that are around, give them a try. Right? I know it might be a little bit more pricier than it might be outside the stadium. But there's no better feeling than being able to eat at your stadium, especially if you get there really early, which another suggestion for anyone for future seasons, make sure you try to get there right when gates open because you could really 
make the most out of your uh, game day experience by getting food earlier, eating food, going, you know, around the stadium, checking out the team store and all that, and being able to go to your seat and still have time to relax before the game starts. So that's exactly what we did. We, we, a, we went to the team store, all that. She actually bought her first Sac Republic jersey, which was really awesome to, to experience her buying that. She bought the home jersey, the one that we wore pretty much throughout the playoffs there. So all in all, great experience. And as Sharon said, that I mentioned yesterday too, I truly felt like a champion because of all the experience there. And again, being able to uh, be there next to her as I was going through a tough time with the, the team and what we were witnessing there. Also, another one out to the fans. And when I say the fans, I mean the fans that were well-behaved yesterday. You know, we, I already mentioned it before. But shout out to all the ones that went because it was really great to see a packed stadium, to see everyone, you know, putting their lights on, on their phone before the game started. It was just a spectacular thing to to see that and to see how loud everyone was throughout the game there as well. Also to my uncle for going to the game. He was sitting next to my section and it was really great. He got to bring my cousin. It was her first game. Unfortunately, she witnessed the loss, but again, she was able to see a goal and see how packed the stadium got. Also another one out to the front office for all the setup they did for the final. I think they did a great job. It was worthy of a final game. There were even a few extra fireworks thrown in the mix there before the game. So shout out to them for uh, just making sure that they they put on a show before and halftime as well there for the team. And then one last one goes out to you, Sharon, you, Jared, for all the support you guys have given to the podcast throughout the season and all your insights, you know, all that, all your work you've done and like getting guests on the show and all that. I think it's been really amazing and I'm looking forward to uh, the upcoming season for us here. And also again, out to all the listeners for supporting us throughout the show and for actually getting us a lot of listens in this last episode that we recorded, which we got a little bit higher than average listeners than we usually get in the first few days of a podcast being posted. So thank you all for all your support. And you know, we, we as always, greatly appreciate that. All right. Well, now that we are done with Golos of Gratitude here, let's go ahead and move on to the game itself. And I have a few thoughts in mind here. But I think we should start with the first half and what our feelings were on that. I know that not a lot occurred on the Sac Republic side. I mean, we got our goal, but for the most part, Phoenix kind of dominated the first half. But what, what do you guys think in an overall first half? And then we'll cover the, the goal by Russell. I just want to cover the goal by Russell. <laughs> I'm kidding. No, actually, you, okay, so when you when you talk dominance, we have to think about what half of the field we were in for the bulk of the first half. And if you look at it, for the bulk of the first half, we're kind of almost always in Phoenix's end, and then all of a sudden we weren't. And so we were forcing them to defend, and we were forcing them to figure out our counter was working fairly well, you know, our counterattack strategy. And I think our passing was fairly clean in the first half with a little bit of lack of focus towards the end of the first half, where I think we were, our plays were getting broken a little bit easier. I hate to say that we were kind of resorting back to a little bit of, gosh, I hate this word, but I'm going to use it ball watching as opposed to anticipating and moving to open space, you know, passing to the area where the player used to be versus where the player is. I actually think that 
Kecko did a great job trying to keep everything together, cementing the defense through the midfield, through the attack. I have to really appreciate, you know, the effort that he went through to maintain possession whenever possible. You know, granted he drew, I think he drew a yellow, but whatever. We're okay with that as long as, you know, we ended up with some results. However, Phoenix was able to capitalize on our weaknesses. They were able to break us. You know, they, they we had some broken plays and then it seemed like their they were they were more in our attacking their attacking half than or attacking third than ours and i don't know it's just a lot of the game was played through the middle you know what i mean it it danny had didn't have too much to do but he did do what he needed to do and so the play was compressed and we've talked about when we when we've played against san antonio the play is like almost in the central third of the field versus at either end. And that's kind of a little bit of how it felt for a bulk of the game. What did you guys think of, of, of that? I know we were, that's what we're talking about right now is, you know, the first half. Yeah. It just seemed like it, borrowing portions from the July game at heart health park. And then the August 30th, 30th game here in Phoenix. I mean, we, we definitely had our, times where we showed why we were the best defense in the league and other times just felt like a little bit of a struggle as far as what I, what I could see. I mean, I know that's more towards the second half. First half, we definitely held our own, but did give a bit of a feeling that was more of a central third battle than, than anything. I mean, we had good opportunities in the first half. Phoenix, you know, punched back. So, you know, suffice it to say, Phoenix had uh, pretty much learned up on what went wrong for them against us in July. You know, worked on what worked for them in August, and just unfortunately, it culminated by the time the final whistle was blown. But I don't know. I mean, the first half, kind of wish we were able to duplicate it, but I don't know. It's still a bit of a brain fog as far as uh, trying to decipher how how we went through here. I, I know it's just still within the first twenty four hours after the match as far as the time of recording, but yeah, I, I think both of you have a better words for it than, than I do right now. Uh, yeah. I mean, it, it was a difficult first half and again, we got the goal and all that too, but before that goal came through, I, I really thought that Phoenix was going to get their goal and they, in my opinion, I just feel like they deserved that goal and we would have been, you know, really disappointed had they gotten the goal there too, but it just really felt like it was only a matter of time before they were going to be up in the scoreline. And of course, us getting the goal was great, all that. But I think that it gave us that false illusion of like, okay, this is good, right? This is our game, which that's happened before, right? There's been teams that maybe haven't been playing as well. And then they get their goal and then other team kind of falls back because they get hit with the goal out of nowhere, and, and that's that's how that goes. But we knew going into this, this Phoenix team is not like that. They took Orange County and San Diego to extra time. They scored an extra time. They didn't wait to get to PK. So even when we were up 1-0, I, I still wasn't feeling like it was enough for us because I had a feeling that they would respond and that if we just missed one and yes i agree with you guys the defense was doing great there's a lot of great moments you know 
put them up there and it again showed why we had such a good defense during the year and, and Danny also having pretty good saves as well. But you can only do so much, right? I mean, anything can happen in the match too. But let's go ahead and talk about Russell's goal. I know Sharon really wants to talk about it. I really want to talk about it as well because I thought it was a really great goal in itself there. But starting off with Arnold. Arnold luckily spotting Nick Ross open and then he falls right there. Shortly afterwards, but thankfully at the time he was okay. We'll talk about what happened in the second half there with him. Nick Ross gets the ball, doesn't think too much, right? Sees Russell open, and Russell does this. He's he's done this before, I think, in, in other opportunities this season. He gets the ball, he turns around real quick, sees the player there, turns around again. I mean, that was a double turn on the ball. And I want to say, was it what game was it? Was it this last game or against New Mexico? One of those where he did something similar as well. He just turned around, pulled a shot. I think goalkeeper maybe not expecting that because you don't expect the player just like casually turn around real quick, plays the shot. But that's exactly what he did. He made him. He made his defender. He clearly made his defender. And you know the goalkeeper is expecting the defender to keep his leg shut. But he didn't. <laughs> Russell Russell made him, and that ta- that always takes a goalie a little out of you know. It's kind of like, well, wait, how'd that get through? And it takes your brain a second or two to think, you know, what just happened there. And he was he was late to respond. He didn't he didn't you know he didn't pick up the shift. I think he was expecting Russell to take yet another touch, but Russell knew what the guy was. Doing. Russell's pretty dang smart when it comes to stuff with the balls. Watch him make. We're, we're, so for everybody listening in, we're actually watching film of the, yeah. the highlights. <laughs> and yeah, just to watch him make the defender, <laughs> it's just, I mean, I have to I have to giggle because that's the last thing a defender wants to have happen except for an own goal. That's the other thing you don't want as a defender. But so when a guy can dance that well with the ball moving like that, you know, he just keeps the ball moving. And he just dances with it. It's almost like he kind of just, he it looked like a dance. And, mm-hmm. you know, I bet you he's pretty good on the dance floor, if you know what I mean. So I'm starting to think Russell might have had some Kylie Minogue on, on the pre-match uh, playlist there because he, he was definitely spinning around, told, told defenders, move out of my way. <laughs> <laughs> and, and Russell, if you are a Kylie fan, hit, hit me up. You know, you know we, we can discuss albums and whatnot. But yeah, I just loved his moves on the pitch here. Got the ball secured, put out one defender, and had another one coming up. Couldn't get him, and it just punches it past almost in similar fashion to last week against Antonio, just mm-hmm. getting it to roll, roll, roll right past the goalie who wasn't really expecting it. And I'm sure, and I'm sure he was about ready to take down a second sign here shortly, uh, just like last week. But <laughs> this time, I, either way, he cleared it. This time, yeah. he cleared it. He did not tap the sign. Yeah, he he was perfectly good good with it. Celebrated with with the corner kick crowd there. So I just kind of wish that this was a couple more times. But hey, we'll, we'll take what we can get. So great yeah, goal and- once again by Russell. There you go. And Nick Ross has proved his value for this season more. Every single game we watch Nick Ross play with for us, he, his value and his abilities, just like now I know why he's here. Now I know he's called Nick Ross, the boss. And, you know, and, 
And even Jorge said that Arnold was having a great game, which he was. He was making few mistakes. He was, you know, interrupting play the way he's supposed to. He was finding guys left and right the way he's supposed to. It was just the linkage was so good. This was a dream starting lineup. It was a dream lineup until Luis Felipe went out. Arnold went out. Other subs happened. But let's not detract from the fact that Russell Scold, a killer-ass goal, man, Mm -hmm. that was just a butte. That was a butte. Yeah, it was a great, uh, probably one of my favorite ones from the playoffs. I think out of all the goals we scored just because of how how he controlled the ball there and just the play before that too, of course. And and yeah, I'm glad you give major props to Nick Ross and at, off the field as well. Just got to, I said earlier, right, he gave us his autograph, right? And he was one of the few players that still stuck around, which uh, I get it. I mean, not, I'm not saying, you know, the players should have all st- like stuck around. It would have been nice, I mean, to like, Thank the fans and and all that. I know it was tough. It was a tough blow. Just special, I think, recognition to him and a few other guys that were also like around too afterwards that were witnessing right the post game and what was going on there too. Because that that's not an easy thing. And Russell was one of those two. I gotta say, he just kind of left real quick. I think afterwards, but just props to that because it's. He, you know, it's tough, but you got to show respect. I think to your rival, right, and say like, hey, you guys won fair right i mean that that's how it goes down and you know we'll, yeah. we'll still be around just like we stayed right i know a lot of people yeah. left the game afterwards i mean you gotta stay the good thing about this phoenix rivalry with you know the rival we have with phoenix is it's not over it's gonna come back next year because now we have handball rising you know that we've <laughs> got to vindicate ourselves from and now we've got this you know incredible western conference championship that we weren't able to achieve so you know we've got that one and so we've 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 got we've we've got a like a double whammy vendetta against phoenix rising now yeah so i gotta ask Luis. When Russell scored, getting back to the goal, when Russell scored the goal, I think I screamed so loud, I burst my own eardrums, but my sister, I just looked straight at her and we just looked at each other screaming. We're just screaming. We weren't even looking at the field. We were looking at each other and then looking at all the fans and like high fives. But the whole stadium started like screaming and I've never heard it erupt so loud in my life. Because that feeling, that sensation of we got the first goal, we can do this. That went through the entire crowd, right? Did you not feel that, Luis? Yeah. Jared? Oh, yeah. No, I mean you 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 couldn't hear anyone after that. I, I don't even think I could hear Jamie Coffey as she mentioned the goal scorer. No, I, I could we not. Late. We yeah. were late yelling Cicerone. You know. Yeah. 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 I was trying to yell Cicerone, yeah, and I couldn't hear when. I just saw his name pop up and I'm like, I guess she may have said it already. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. And I've never experienced that before. Usually you hear everyone saying it, but I think everyone was so like still excited screaming. about the goal screaming still that they didn't even look at the screen. They're like, we scored. You know? <laughs> could you hear us, Jared? Could you hear it? I, I could definitely hear quite, quite a bit of a roar over there. I mean, the fact that it seemed like the fans knew that if Phoenix uh, didn't score first, they were something like two and 12 or so in the last 14 occurrences or so. So I think that's what really must have got the crowd riled up. Phoenix has a thing where if they score first, they had won at least 12 or 14 of those uh, occurrences. So 
I think that was one reason why the crowd might have just gotten so uproarious. The fact that we scored first, you know, we assumed, hey, given that record, we may well very well win this thing because Phoenix is only one twice beforehand where they didn't score first. So, but yeah, I mean, that's probably about the only time I heard it that uh, loud was probably the Open Cup semifinals last year. Mm. I mean, man, it was it was just nuts hearing how how loud the roar was there at Heart Health Park uh, across the TV. Yeah, I was going to say, because, you know, when you're watching English Premier League or, you know, any of the other major leagues in soccer, you can hear the crowd. You can hear the crowd in the background. You can hear them come and go roar, you know, not roar kind of thing. You can all of it. And I don't know. I I could I never know how it sounds to you, Jared, when you're watching it on, on TV and to hear you confirm that it was it was loud. It was so loud in the stadium. It was so loud. Nobody could sit down. This was, that was an Russell Ciceroni. Thank you so much for giving that us that moment of joy and for playing with joy because it looked like you and the guys that started the, the, you know, the game played with a lot of joy because you were, you knew what you needed to do until. Uh, yeah. Which we got to talk it, about that. Oh, yeah, Jared. Well, I also wanted to just to keep on the uh, topic of audio. I do want to give a glossal gratitude to the announcers uh, with Arizona's family for while there was audio te- audio difficulties during much of the first half. They've at least kept it impartial as much as much as they could until the Fox 40 uh, ESPN audio c- could be repaired. Because what I had noticed is at the start of the match, uh, there was no commentary audio because of the, the issues. But uh, for the while, they used uh, Fox 40's visuals, but uh, Arizona Family uh, Sports broadcasters. But they at least kept it down the middle as long as they could. They they praised uh, Republic FC as well, and then of course made mentions for Phoenix. So I just wanted to put that out there. So thank you while you could Arizona's family. Hopefully those are, are less and less uh, occurring. But uh, yeah, now, now we continue. <laughs> no, that's really good that they did that. I mean, I'm really glad that. They kept it going, and you know that that's that's what you ask for any commentating team. I always say, I mean, don't don't be as supportive of one side. Like, try to be unbiased about you know your commentary because you don't never know who's who's watching the game there. But yeah, we move on to the second half, and I know we briefly spoke about injuries too with Luis Felipe. It was really sad. I mean, he walked by our section there, and just I could see him in pain, and it was just it was it was just bad because I think Luis Felipe, in my opinion, second half. We were seeing more of him right before he got injured. Bristav, I know we didn't really see that much. I didn't really observe him as much. Second half, I don't know what coach told him, but coach said something, the usual halftime talk. But Luis Felipe, he just seemed like he was more into the game. And I was so excited at like, hey, this guy just keeps going, keeps going. We might actually get our second goal. And so it's a shame that happened. But we know injuries, injuries just, they, they just happen at the worst of times here. But Arnold also got injured as well, but his was, of course, closer to when we get the goal scored on. Big, big entry for us, too. We know how important yeah. he's, he's been for us this season, too. But related to those injuries, and I'm going to pass it on to Sharon for this one because I know I know we had a brief talk about this yesterday and the subs that were made yesterday. So, Sharon, just take it away. <laughs> so, yeah. <clears throat> I had a hard time with respect to 
trying to exchange sub for sub and, you know, trying to get the same flavor and same flow out of the guys, you know, and, and Luis Felipe, you, you get height, you get athleticism, you get, you know, kind of a, he's a hard guy, a hard man. So he's going to go in and not give up or not back off on a, on a challenge. And the, the sub that was made for Luis Felipe was Roro. And, you know, Roro, I think, is a, a different type of player than Luis Felipe. We know that. And so the flow of the game changed drastically because I, I don't know that, you know, I, I'm trying to recall how many times Roro even got on the ball and, you know, was able to keep possession or make a pass. I, I don't know that I was that focused on that. I was focused on more the fact that what we had with Luis wasn't, was missing, you know, that hype that, I don't know, he just has a different, he's a different style player, right? And so that was the first thing that changed. It was a, a shift in tactics. And then when Arnold went down, you know, it was, I was looking at the, the subs when, when Arnold went down and, and then it was just odd. Okay. So we also know that Keko and Dami were both pulled out, but when, and that was kind of like, we all looked at each other and said, wait, that's not, that shouldn't be happening yet. Those guys. Okay. When a coach is caught between two minds, and I don't know if this is true or not, but this is how it felt to me. He was thinking to the 12th, the 12th would be the final, the whole USL championship final. If he planned to rest guys versus play them until they dropped and bled, right? That you, you, you do one or the other. You can't hedge in the middle. He started to lean towards resting guys, pulling guys out, thinking that he could get the same chemistry flowing by exchanging players. Well, what happened was the chemistry quit. We still had great defenders. Well, minus one thing. We still had that linkage going. We still had the Nick Ross situation going, but the rest of it didn't continue. We didn't see the rest. When you pull Kecko and Dami and, oh goodness, my brain farted. When you pull out Kecko and Dami, I know we had to, we had to sub Arnold anyhow, because he was injured. Matt Lagrasse is a perfect sub for either Luis Felipe or Arnold. That's not, that's not a problem. You don't give up anything when you sub Matt Lagrasse, I don't think, but, but taking Kecko and Dami out, that hurt our midfield linkage. It just, we died. At that point, we weren't able to communicate well with Luther and play to his strengths. Kecko knows how to do that. He knows what Luther brings when you, you know, when you bring in a Luther. I mean, like, let, let's just say we put in a Luther and drop Nick back instead of Arnold. You know, you drop Nick into the pocket and you bring in that extra striker. Oh, and then we also pulled out Russell. I don't think those guys were tired. I think they would have been giving full-on blood until the 90 right but coach was thinking preservation and so you know pulling pulling the guys that have that chemistry and then replacing them in a match like like that i i just i don't know i have a hard time still trying to analyze it i remember watching the chemistry go away and phoenix did the opposite their chemistry kicked in so it killed, you know, 
I don't know if any of that is, that is true. It's just how it felt to myself and to other people who have talked with me. But I mean, it's over. We can't get it back. We can't, hey, let's do a redo. Let's make sure Luis Felipe doesn't get injured. You know, let's this and that. You know, let's put Roro in a better spot versus, you know, that spot so that he can, you know, play to his strengths. We can't, we can't get it back. All we can do is hope that we keep this core together. Not 100% sold on Christian Parano. You know, I, I think he's a great player for, but we haven't figured out what his strengths are yet. Right. And so anyhow, I just want this core to stay together for next season because they're going to have something to prove. They're not going to sit on their laurels. This is not that team. They're not going to sit there and go, well, you know, we got this far and now we're just going to cruise. Because a lot of teams, once they get as far as our team has, the next season, they just kind of like take the foot off the gas pedal and they just show up. But this mm-hmm. is not that team. Our team doesn't show up. They they try to do whatever they can. But the chemistry part, that one has to, we need to work on it when we make these substitutions because it just, we were missing it the last 20 minutes. Anyhow, you guys take it over. Well, I have to say for... Russell getting subbed out, Luther getting subbed in. I actually wanted that substitution to happen because I was actually seeing Russell a bit slow as the second half progressed. I just because I kept looking at him, I kept being over in section uh, 119, and it just seemed like he wasn't the same. I think he had ran so much in the first half, he seemed a little fatigued, and I really wanted Luther to get subbed in to have that speed and all that, right? Especially because. We were going to be counterattacking a lot. Phoenix was just going to be honest throughout the end, right? Until they got that goal. And we know what a difference Luther makes. And we saw him in the last game, just how much of a difference he made in that game. So I felt there's the one. And that's probably the natural sub, right? Is to take Russell out, put Luther in. Now, the other one, though, with uh, Luis Felipe, I know that was a forceful sub. He had to be subbed out because of the injury. But I'm with you on that one, Sharon. And it just, it makes me so to say, right, that like Roro is not the same guy that, you know, we knew from like, even even from last year, right? And I think what ended up happening is that injury that he had, he came back and I think it, he hasn't really been the same ever since that. And I know he had, I believe he had a game where he kind of like had another slight injury, right? He came back, right? He didn't last that long, but... I just have a feeling that the injuries were taking a toll on him and I don't know what his plans are for next year. And it would be really sad to see him leave this way, you know, in in this fashion, but I would be really interested in in just knowing what's going to happen there. And if he's going to be given a chance, maybe return, but he's just going to be in the bench and not as much participation, but kind of one of those things where if we're already winning by a certain amount of goals, he gets up then and all that, but I just hope that whatever happens, you know, we still get to see him next year. And even if it's just the team doing a little kind of goodbye game for him, you know, it's it was just really tough to see him yesterday and to see him, I'm sure, wanting to make a difference. And I always say that, right? I know on the inside, he's the type of guy who does have that same Luis Felipe mentality, but you know, it's just his physicals not laying him do that right he wants to do what he did back in 2014 but it's just really challenging for him because of the injuries that he's had so that was that and then yeah like you mentioned with the other subs really it was really sad seeing Keiko go out my opinion man of the match for Sacre Republic yesterday I mean hands down he, he was playing as you should play a playoff game 
and Dami as well. I think there were a few times where they had that Spanish connection that we've talked about all season. And right. it was great to see him have that back and forth and all that. So, yeah. Yeah. So, so, so here's, okay. So I give you the one of, you know, subbing Russell out and putting Luther in, but the player that knows how to play with Luther, who's really worked to, you know, capitalize on Luther's strength is Kecko. And if you're going to put mm-hmm. Luther in, you don't take Kecko out. You know, because Kecko, Kecko knows how to read Luther's body language. He knows when Luther is checking. He knows when Luther is pressing. And he knows where to put the ball for Luther. You know, a couple of the other players know that. But we were, at this point, the game was tied. And there was a lot of anxiety at this point. You know, you could tell that there was there was, there was a little bit of anxiety. And you, you got to have that person who's calm otherwise known as Kecko, who's not just running around like a chicken with his head cut off. That's not Kecko. That's somebody Mm -hmm. else who knows. And then the other thing that happened last week that I liked was that Aldair started in Dami's position. Okay. He started at that left back position and, or yeah, left back. And so, or left wing. Oh gosh, Sharon, forget it. Left back. And so he started in Dami's position and he wore out the opponent because Aldair Face it, he can run. The dude can mm-hmm. run for days, and he runs and runs and runs and runs and runs, and he wears you down, right? Then you bring in Dami, who's like this magician with his mm-hmm. feet and his vision, and now it's like the other team wouldn't, you know, had we done it that way, I don't want to digress to, you know, how we played San Antonio, but Aldair didn't even see a minute of the pitch. And it's like, okay, where were we, what were we thinking with respect to, really putting a press on the other team and wearing them down and making them chase us. And that's what Aldair brings, but he didn't see a minute. So I, I don't know. It's over, Sharon. You can't get this game back. No matter how much you do the armchair quarterback crap, you can't get it back. It's just, it's done. But I hope we keep our, our nest of guys, this group, they're good. You know, they're solid. We're going to have a fun season next year if we stay on. Don't tell me we have to talk about Emil Cuello or Cuejo because uh, I do. Yeah. I don't want to talk about Connor Donovan's, you know, that little flip-floppy, you know, ricochet thing. Let's just let that slide under the table. It happens. You know, defenders hate it. It's a second hated thing, you know, besides a handball in the box. But, <laughs> you know, but let's face it, Emil and Derek – basically proved the they they showed what why we would miss them you know when anybody Mm -hmm. says why did we let them go well guess what folks you know they probably wanted to stay with us and then they showed us yeah this is this is what you lost by letting us leave and emil's a come on he doesn't come on he doesn't start he's not a he doesn't start for phoenix but look what he did Look at that. Mm. He was deadly. That shot, nobody could have saved that. That thing was moving. It was moving left, right, up, down. That was just like an amazing goal. Anywho. Well, I want to talk about that goal that we get. Well, well, of course, about both them too. But I want to know what you guys think in that first goal that they, well, I, uh, the own goal, right? I should say, because it wasn't really a Phoenix goal per se. It was more of an uh, Connor Donovan there, but accidents and it, it just, those things happen sometimes there. But what do you guys think of the foul that gets called that ultimately leads to that? Because I feel like 
we've seen these kind of like fouls called and I didn't really see much of a contact right there. And I even like when slow-mo on it, I, I just don't really see why the need to call a foul there when Jack never steps on him is, is what I see at least. But I don't know if you guys see anything different, but it's so just what, a shame. Yeah. So what I think happened there is the ref saw obstruction. He didn't see a foul of stepping on anybody. He saw obstruction. He, he saw that the player made a move passed the ball and the, our, our guy, and that's, that's what I think would have been the foul called was obstruction. It wasn't so much that the player went down. It was Jack was in a position to block the player's progress to keep going with the ball. The player does do a little acting. You know, we did call that player out several times for Hollywood at least we did in our side, we're calling Hollywood. There's a little bit of that going on, but you know, every player is going to dive and see what they get. If the ref, if the ref calls it, I know Jack will tell you right then and there, it was a fair challenge. You know, they were both like not protecting the ball, but at, at the end of the day, there was not a whole lot of contact, but there was a tiny fraction of obstruction. So who knows, you know, I, I honestly, I don't think there was what the ref saw. Yeah. And it's a shame, right? Because I think had that foul not got called on, I'm not saying that they wouldn't do the same. Maybe the same story would have happened. They just would have had a, another shot, maybe not from a free kick. But it, it's just one of those things that just makes you wonder, like, what could have happened, right? With the, the What could have of the situations there and... I kind of wish it would have just been a goal that wouldn't have been from a free kick because then it opens up this whole thing of like, if this hadn't happened, they wouldn't have had this like like intensity right towards like scoring that second goal there. It is what it is. It ends up happening there. And the foul and happening free kick gets executed. And man, just the an unfortunate thing right there with Connor Donovan getting the own goal there and nothing could really be done, right? It was one of those ricochet moments where the goalkeeper gets a hand to the ball. Connor's already got that momentum trying to like clear it away. Should it go his way? And he ends up, you know, getting a touch in and getting the the own goal there. And again, these things happen when a team like does pressure on the other team, right? And Phoenix just kept on going and all that. And, also, by the way, the guy who ends up getting the ball, as, as we're just seeing the replay here, he ends up like signaling to TBB to all the end line sections there to like shut up and all that. I think the referee should have pulled the yellow card right there. I'm just saying, right? When when you're in front of the referee, like kind of pointing at the opposition there and just gesturing to like shut up, that should be a yellow. I know the referee pulled a few good yellows yesterday, but there are moments where he maybe should have pulled another yellow, but... That's just something that I just saw right now as, as we were watching the post goal. Hey, let me ask you this. Where is Connor Donovan? Oh, he's in the back of the net. So it wasn't Matt LaGrasa because there was some confusion if it was Connor Donovan or Matt LaGrasa. And I know they ended up pinning it on, on Connor Donovan, but somebody even said it was it was actually Matt LaGrasa that it ricocheted off of. Okay, no, but he he was close right there, but yeah, it ends up being a ends up being Connor who was more more so in the position of like placing the ball there indirectly, right, without meaning to, but more so he wanted to clear it out, I think. And then once he the moment he saw the ball, it was too late already. He had already done contact with it because you could tell that like 
he sees the ball and he's like, oh, crap, I don't want to get it. And then, unfortunately, it hits his leg still and it, it goes in that direction there. So, Okay, because I actually, there was there were a few people that said it was Matt LaGrasse. So, but, but I could see why they said that, though, because uh, looking at the replay, like he he is right there close by. <laughs> so, yeah. well, it doesn't matter. It hit one of our guys. It went in the back of the net. It got assigned to Connor. I'm sure, you know, they're talking in the locker room, you know, about who did it really hit. And, you know, because at, at OK, so the one of the first things that happens that after the game is over and you've lost and, you know, that's the end of your season is you go you go first things first, you you unless you're super mature, right? And you've elevated yourself, you you start looking to assign blame, right? It's like, oh, if so-and-so had done this, or if we had done that, or if that person had mm -hmm. done this, you don't look at yourself. Mature players basically just go, you know what? We either win or we learn. And so, you know, you didn't win, so you learn. And you don't assign the blame, you know, the personal blame. You don't, you know, go around the room and, you know, scream at the other guys you just don't you just learn mm -hmm. and this is one of those situations it's hard and it's hard it's we need to also as fans go okay they're going to learn from this you know they're going to clean up this and they're going to clean up that but mistakes happen it's soccer it does you know football whatever you want to call it it's always going to have these weird little situations it's going to have free kicks it's going to have referees making calls based on what they see it's always going to be this way but dang it if it doesn't take our emotions all over the place and jared and i are probably way more emotional than you are depends on the it depends if you're uh, sitting next to me at the stadium too oh, well <laughs> yeah. i was sitting next to i think there were a few f-bombs being thrown and i and i i did not know that about you dude until i started sitting near you in the stands and it's like jared keeps it pg for the most part but you and I, well, I try to anyway, <laughs> but if in the stands, Luis, oh no. Oh my goodness gracious. If anybody ever wants, yeah, just we ought to all sit together and just listen to Luis. Oh yeah. Yeah. And trust me, that's my girlfriend yesterday too. She saw, she saw me in, in that light and it was a playoff game, right? I mean, I, I, my level of like intensity was like up there and, and all that. And uh, it's, that, that's how I've been. When I'm watching Cruz Azul on TV, that that's how I am too. Except they can't hear me. So now that I'm in a position where people can actually hear me, where the ref can actually hear me, I'm I'm out there leading the ref you suck chant, which I'm sure you guys heard throughout the stadium and maybe Jared heard on TV too. Like I gotta say, it was really loud. And you know what? Just like Coach Briggs said, we really we really wanted to give Phoenix. And yes, I'm I just bleeped myself right there, but but yes, that's what Coach exactly said. You could say that. You could say that. I just want to beat myself just to be like funny. So <laughs> 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 we should do a video maybe next season too, Sharon. You could record me and I'll I'll beat myself every time so people could see how I am uh, at the game and <laughs> and all that. Oh, just that so. would be great. <laughs> we should. But, but let's go ahead and talk about though the. I mean, we got to talk about the goal uh, that you know we end up witnessing there in the final minutes there by our our former guy, Emil Cuello there. And I want to know from you guys though, because in looking at the goal, we know that we know that Matt LaGrasa is the one that kind of like helps lead their, their attacking front right there. And I want to know, you guys think that he could have done something different? Cause I feel like he maybe could have passed the ball back to Danny rather than try to clear it out that way, especially seeing that he had 
the Phoenix guy in front of him there that could have put a foot to it. And that's certainly what the guy ends up doing there. We were too spread out. Look at, we, we, it was one of those situations driving Mack truck through different parts of our, our lines, our defensive line, our midfield line was, had gotten way spread out. We were a little out of sorts. So yeah, I, I, I don't know what was going on. I don't know, honestly, on that situation. I don't know that we had a couple situations like that. Connor Donovan gave up the ball once, but then Shane Wheat came and saved his ass, you know, and in the, in this particular case, we didn't have, we didn't have that. We, we, we had no recovery from a, a bad pass. You know, you don't want to be that one that gets a ball stolen from you like that in that part of the field. <laughs> I hear a grunt. There was a grunt from Arizona. He's still alive folks. <laughs> And I mean, I saw this last week when they had beaten Orange County. So it's, I mean, it's bad enough to have you know, like a former player uh, do this you know, against you know the old club and everything like that. But uh, for me, having to live here and having to deal with this, I mean, it does not make things any better. So, <laughs> but you know, it's it's bound to happen. You know, you have a you've got former Republic FC players. So managed to move on. Others, you know, tend to looking for the right phrase here, tend to, to grow, uh, grow their talents. And unfortunately we were on the business end of it uh, this time. So darn it. Yeah. But I I really do think that Matt could have probably done something. And even before he gets to the ball, he could have probably anticipated the ball. I think as, as the ball was bouncing there, because I mean, the guy who ends up like just putting a foot to it there ends up being Emil. And then he just takes it, continues to go on. And I think no one was really expecting him to pull a shot, right? Because that, that was far ways out. And you normally would have like, hey, he's going to give a pass. He had two guys right there that could have perfectly received the pass, could have had a one-on-one there with Danny. But he pulls the shot. And you know what? That shot was going so quick that Danny could have never stopped that, right? And that's why, like, we see that he couldn't even get a hand to it because that, that I don't know, that was a bullet shot. Sharon, I know you, you were sitting and a little bit closer to seeing it too, but just me seeing it from afar over there, I it just, it's it's like you blinked and the, the ball was in, right? He plays the shot and you're like, well, I don't know how that happened, but it it's it's in the net now. That's the Emil Cuejo that Mark Briggs was always trying to cultivate and get out of Emil when he was with us, but it was so hot and cold. And, and I think we tried to overtrain Emil and get, you know, changes, not changes mind, but, and so he wasn't playing with the fluidity that he's playing with Phoenix. You know, he's, he's brought into Phoenix to do a thing and he did his thing. He's done it here. He did it, you know, last weekend. He's just, he knows, he knows his role and he's happy with it. And, you know, it's kind of like, you you want to see everybody succeed in their career. You just don't want them to succeed when they're playing against your squad. And it's like and, it. and on your home pitch. On your home pitch, right? <laughs> yeah. That's so, that's the worst thing. So the 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 hard part of this, you know, the goal celebration and then the crap thrown from the stands after, you know, they got this goal was the number 5 had kind of what 
we heard he he grabbed his cherries and kind of was rather rude to the fans, you know, because we had been booing him apparently all game long. And uh, he, he apparently grabbed his cherries and let us know what he thought of playing at Heart Health Park. Yeah, and as we look at the replay, I'm actually now noticing something that I'm just saying if USL sanctions, this guy should get a suspension there. And, and, and I'm not sure. I'm trying to figure out what Phoenix player it is too because he's wearing like a jacket there. But if you guys look at the highlights, look at the six minute with 24 second mark here on the highlights on YouTube. But the guy basically flips off the fans that were there. And he's I think that should goalie. carry some sanction. If, yeah, those are, those are goalie gloves. That's got to be their their backup goalie. I, I think those are gloves on that guy. He, he looks like a goalkeeper too. Yeah, he looks a, yeah like he'd be a goalkeeper. Yeah, um, but I'm just saying, if no one saw that, because I I saw it right now, because I'm playing the replay at really slow speed, that guy should get sanctioned. And I don't know if it's gonna be in time or what. Or Jared, you want to do your magic and have that clip there, and maybe tag USL Championship. And you know, I'm just saying that that's not acceptable for any player. And I'd be saying the same thing if it was a soccer public player flipping off the supporters group in Phoenix too. Like, there's no room for that. There's no room for what we saw the fans do either, right? I mean, we I mentioned earlier that that was really bad and all that, but I think there should be sanctions for everyone. The fans, whoever, and, and I know Sharon, from what we're, we've been told, is we have no idea like who exactly it is or what people they were. It was no one in TBB, and we, we've spoken to a few TB members already too. It seemed to be someone from what you're saying, Sharon, over in section NA, and it was like up, up above, right? Maybe like, section 20 to 30 or something right over there. I hope that they managed to figure out who, not just that, I think those people, right? Because there was multiple people. I don't think one person threw everything at once. There's a lot of things there, but hopefully they get sanctioned. Hopefully this guy who I just freeze the frame for, who flipped off the people there get sanctioned as well as I think any players who are right there. Cause there's a few other players that we're kind of out there. I don't know what they were saying. Only the people who were there in front will know better as to what was going on there. But I'm just saying there's no room for a player to be like flipping people off like that. But it just, yeah. Well, it's not the first time it's happened at Hard uh, Health Park. I mean, for those that I remember a few years ago, Galaxy 2 uh, goalkeeper by the last name of Diop had done the same thing. Once the final whistle blew, he started the uh, letting the birds fly at uh Republic FC fans there there at the match. But as far as the uh, the person or persons that uh, did throw the drinks, uh, I did get word from a Tower Bridge Battalion that the club actually uh, identified the person or persons and actually got them escorted out. My understanding is that there may have been some new fans or folks that were there for the first time or having or aren't regulars, anything like that. I also had heard about a fight that was somewhat close to the TBB section. Mm. Apparently so, some person that was not familiar with, with how supporter group sections operate, the fact that there's drums and flags and everything like that. Apparently some person that, that took an offense or, or whatever, and tried to start a fight with uh, some TBB fires. That's just from what I'm hearing so far. But as far as the, uh, the person's uh, throwing the drinks, I mean, yes, it's understandable to get upset, but you know, there's, there's no reason to, to do that. I mean, it's, putting yourself at harm for, for being not only banned from the stadium, but potential arrest you know, from uh, Sacramento County sheriffs or 
any law enforcement that's there. It makes the club look bad. It makes the rest of the fans look, look bad as well. You know, the ones that are genuinely out there to have a good time, not cause any ruckus or anything like that. But, you know, no, no club is perfect. We just have to make sure that if we see, see something like that, that we say something, whether it's against one of our fans, if it's an away supporter, anything like that, because, the same thing has happened with other clubs. It's happened with Reno. It's happened with with Phoenix at home against the Galaxy 2 a few years ago. It's happened in other clubs. We need to put a stop to this. We got kids out there. What mm-hmm. kind of example is that going to lead? I mean, it's bad enough uh, that we saw some of that in Orlando last September with 11-year-olds, 12-year-olds just cursing up a storm and who knows what else. But you know, we've got to be civil at these matches. Are they going to go our way every single time? Absolutely not. But there's better ways of, of channeling that. Absolutely true. Thanks, Jared, for that. Yeah, and Jared, I actually did see, or I mean, not that I wasn't like close there too, but I did see from afar that uh, yeah, a fight had broken out and a little confused as to what was going on. I'm like, it, it was in the first half, maybe like before the the wrestle goal. I think uh, may have been too, and I wasn't sure if it was maybe a one of the Phoenix fans that was over in a section. Uh, was it one eleven, one twelve that? may have gone over there that that's what i was thinking i was like oh, is it that or what, what's what's going on over there so i don't know what happened there but you're right the team has to take action with anything that goes on we don't want to be no san antonio right that like lets things fly like we saw happen right when we played against them and that and pitch and bader came through and all that and was taunting coach briggs and all that like we got to make sure we set an example for that and and it's true right i mean the club can't can't guarantee right that there won't be like a crazy fan crazy fans that will come through but it's how they take care of that that makes the difference and you know it certainly looks like it was their first game because like i said at the beginning of this podcast that's not us that's not a reflection of who we are as fans and it just i think that's what ended up disappointing me the most yesterday more than us losing was just seeing that because we can't tolerate that crap we've lost plenty of games before in the past. We've lost playoff games at home in the past and we haven't witnessed what we saw there. So I know the team will take, you know, matters into account because they, that's the team image right there that gets reflected on, you know, what direction they take. So hopefully the, those people get sanctioned and you know what, ban them for as long as you're able to, because we don't want those people to be at our stadium. So, so that's that, but yeah, I mean, other than that, that that goal happened with just about two, three minutes left and extra time. Of course, they did what any team would probably do, right? Kill time, the situation that annoys you whenever you're on that end, of, when that, on the losing end, especially when you're in this circumstance here in the playoffs. But, I mean, they did what they had to do, right? And the referee, I think, rightfully so, gave the time that you should be giving, especially after all the time that was wasted there. and. And all that happened. And you know what? Emil gets the goal. And we can't be angry at him, right? Because that, that's exactly what I said before. And that's, I mean, that, that's what we say whenever we have former players that play against their team, right? When Cristian Parano played against San Antonio, we're like, hopefully he scores a goal on them, right? That's his ex-team. And he maybe didn't leave on good terms with them. So, you know, we unfortunately, we had to see it happen to us here. And unfortunately... We had a witness Cuello celebrate by like just kissing the Phoenix Rising logo. And as we're like seeing here in the replay and just look at the people. Although I feel like maybe he shouldn't have done. He probably should have done that at Coach Briggs or in his direction. Because we the people like 
supported him when he was with Sac Republic. And, you know, I, I just felt like I was like, I get it celebrating Cuello, but you could have done that a little differently too. And and if you were to celebrate against coach, by all means, right? That That's the guy who didn't give you an opportunity to come back. But the fans, we were there supporting him. Sharon remembers that that meet the team event, not this year, but last year when he was still new to us. When we told him, hey, thank you for coming down Sacramento. It looks like you really like your time here. So that that part got me a little, I think, disappointed in him. I was like, yeah, we remember those things. And you like, come on, like you could be more professional about it. So exactly. All right. Well, that was that, y'all. I, I guess we could, we could put that in the past and just focus 2024 with that. But I do want to talk about podcast winner dinner here. Because yeah, we do have a, a winner. I can't wait because I had a freaky moment where I couldn't log into the sheets yesterday early to figure out who did the who got the <laughs> yellow card, who won the yellow card points. And then I saw I finally got in and I saw that I had not gotten the yellow card points. And so I was a little anxious. And then I was thinking, oh, maybe I got the, the goal scorer. So then I was thinking, oh, Luis is going to pass me up. And then I that's where I left it. And so... I I've, haven't been fretting. I haven't been fretting at all. So here's how the game went down. So Sharon, Jared, and I all said Russell would score first. We had faith in him again. He delivered. He got the that. So we got that. First yellow card, only Jared and I thought it's going to be Phoenix. I had my doubts, but I was like, I'm still going to say Phoenix there. And sure enough, they did there. And then in terms of extra time, me and you, Sharon, said no. Jared had faith that there would be extra time and he was so close to getting that extra point or extra two points, I should say, Mm -hmm. because it's a two point thing. Yeah. And he could have gotten that and the situation, you know, I mean, in terms of like the points here could have been different here. Sharon, Jared got four points. I got six points out of this. But let's remember that now that the season is over, we look at the bonus opportunity that was in play. And in that circumstance, we all said Russell would be the leading goal scorer. We all got our five points. But Sharon and Jared said Gecko would be the leading assist. And he sure enough was with nine assists. I said Jack. He stayed at six. So just three away from from tying there. But they sure enough had a really good competition amongst each other. I mean, great assists that they did. And we hope that they come back to us next season because they were really critical and and not just that but just in and just the gameplay overall so in this round we consider those sharon and jared got 14 points and i got 11 points therefore putting the champion as sharon drooling 49 points i was five points behind with 44 points and then jared was with 38 (laughs) points there so yeah, sure. And I saw positions from last year. <laughs> Do you think Connor Sutton's going to try to call you out and have some kind of competition with you, Jared, so you can win it? Uh, as far as my positioning in this, I only got three words to yell out. Ma! The meatloaf! Because <laughs> I'm stuck in the basement. <laughs> yeah. Now, had it gone to extra time, Jared, things could have been a whole lot different, though. You would have gotten two points. You would have been at 40. Sharon would have been 47. And then, of course, if we advanced to the final, it could have been anyone's game right there. So, Are you trying to make him feel better? Because I don't know that it's working. He's still pulling on his beard. 
it, it's just gonna make it more mad at Emil Cuello for scoring the goal. I think that's that's bad enough that that he, that I have to live in the same territory that he plays in. Yeah. We, we, granted, he he's not exactly at Mitch Tanner status, but he does some stuff next year that could change. That yeah. Change. So I I got in my hands, and I know the listeners can't see it, but I'm gonna take a picture of it and put it on on the socials. The SOTR podcast winner dinner, which by the way, Sharon, I think we we used to call it podcast dinner winner. We've, that kind of has been changing around, but it's still the same competition. And for listeners to know, those who don't know, Sharon actually started this a trophy, and it's actually a soccer player tape dispenser with, <laughs> with the soccer ball there. And you you put the tape, which Sharon, by the way, I didn't actually put the tape yet. The tape's still inside the soccer ball there. Uh, and then you put it towards the soccer player's foot right there. So it just like you dispense the tape through the, the foot right there, the the shoe for the player there. So so we've been writing down the winners there. My name is there from last year. And now I have actually written down Sharon's name as the 2023 champion. So she will be getting this the next time I see her there. Now, Sharon, I was actually going to take this with me tomorrow in the event that we did lose. But I had a second thought before actually, because I was so close to getting and I was ready to head down to the, the game over there. And I was like, I'm not going to take it because I don't want to jinx us. I'm just going to keep it here and whatever happens, happens. But I was close to taking it. And so even almost writing your name there. But I was like, I- I'm I'm going to save it. I'm not going to take it. I don't want to jinx us. And, and so, look at that. Yeah. So here's the thing. I don't think you can buy these anymore. I don't know where I got the one that you have. I think I may have gotten the last. I don't know. Maybe they make them anymore. But I had one. You know, I originally, I have one already, mm. but it's not the official trophy. Mm. And that's what prompted the idea. Why don't we get this stupid thing as the trophy? And so I got one. So you could have one because I never expected to. Now I'm going to have two. Yeah. So this is going to be really weird. <laughs> we're going to have to have somewhere. We're going to have to have the Hall of Fame trophy case somewhere, you know, in between triangulated between Arizona until you move back to California, Jared, Arizona, Modesto, and Elk Grove will have to find that equidistant point <laughs> to have that be the spot where we keep our trophy case. The, the, the Hall of Fame, Hall of Fame trophy case there. Now, next year though, we might have more participants in the podcast winner dinner though. It might be more than us three. So everyone, yeah, it might be more than us three because we might have more people joining our, our team here. And so it might get way more competitive, right? And then the <laughs> it needs to be the, more the bashing will get more competitive too. Is like imagine if it's just one point. So I don't know. There you go. I don't know, Jared, if that, that makes you happy or if that makes you be like more people to the mix. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, I mean, if as far as any potential jinxing on, I've noticed that's that's my my thing here because not only did the beer curse fail and also the Winco cookies that, that thing fail. So who knows? <laughs> Now, now I, I do want to thank the proxies that we had because, uh, of course, some of the points weren't necessarily gained by us, too. There were there were some points. I'm not saying, I mean, there was a few games there that we had proxies. But shout out to them because they truly made a difference, I think, in, in this game. I think if we were to go back and look at the points, I mean, I know, Sharon, there was one game where you had one proxy that nailed it. You got a lot of points there, too. So shout out to them. We, we have a lot of fun. And la- next year, we're also going to have proxies come back because that, that's always really fun to be able to get some of y'all's thoughts and have some of you pick for us too. So 
One last segment here, y'all, because we want to talk about what's next. And I'll start off first with the podcast because then we have more things for USL there. But podcast-wise, everyone, we're going to have plenty of interviews in the offseason because, as I said earlier, we're not taking a break from that. Who those people will be interviewing will be you know, is to be decided. But now that we are no longer in season, now is the time when we start actively like reaching out to people sending messages out, coordinating interviews and all that. And so be on the lookout. But if we do have interviews, we'll, we'll probably keep them to once a week or once every two weeks. So you'll still have that schedule without waiting a month <laughs> for an interview. So I'm going to do my best. We are gonna we have plenty of people that are kind of lined up that are like people that we've been wanting to talk to. We want to hear of here and not just Sac Republic people. Again, Central Valley Soccer, here's the time where we really start reaching out to all the different representatives in the soccer community in our area and and start to uh, get to know what they have going on as well. So that's what's in store for us. But I want to talk about Sac Republic, especially around the USL. What are some of our rivals that we're going to be expecting next year and just more news there? And I know, Jared, you got a few things to let us know about what's in store for 2024. Yeah, 2024 is definitely going to be a season of interest for, for quite a number of reasons. Now. Next Sunday's uh, final match, which surprisingly enough is going to have a major drop in viewership in the Central Valley area for some reason or another, will actually be the last uh, match for the ESPN contract. For those that uh, may not have been following the podcast, this is the final year that ESPN will be the uh, media partner for the USL uh, across uh, Championship, League One, League, uh, possibly League Two. So as far as who the new a streaming partner is going to be that's still a little bit in, in the the dark at this moment there had been some surveys coming out from the usl league itself asking uh, fans what did they want in the streaming service uh what did they like what did they don't how much would they be willing to pay so it's still you have to be determined whether if the usl will have their their own in-house uh, street streaming service or if they may partner with a different media partner Personally, myself, I would love to see Paramount Plus or maybe even Max, but probably more towards Paramount Plus because they already have a, a stellar lineup of soccer leagues and federations across Europe and, and the world. But I'm sure we'll find it out more about that in 2024. Also, staying with 2024, as we know, the San Diego Loyal have already, unfortunately, shuttered their doors, but there are others that are rumored to possibly as well. We've heard rumblings about RGVFC potentially closing up shop because of not being able to financially recover from the pandemic. Now, granted, this news does come from one of the supporter groups, so obviously you take that with a grain of salt. But we have to remember that uh, with clubs that are folding or rumored to fold, we also have new clubs coming into the fold as well. For example, North Carolina FC, who I believe if I've heard correctly earlier today, had just won the USL League One Championship earlier today. So in a sense, they're quote-unquote promoted into the USL Championship. So that that's going to be another point of interest to, to look into, the fact that we have not one, but also two clubs coming into the fold, at least for the Eastern Conference. We have Rhode Island FC that's uh, looking to start next year. In fact, they just had their first signing. Uh, they picked up Coque Vegas from San Diego. So that is that is a great move uh, for Rhode Island to, to, to start. Some other rumors I've, I've heard also, I know there's a OKC Energy FC. I've been hearing rumblings that they may ultimately 
change over to MLS uh, Next Pro. I would hate for that to happen, but given their stadium situation, which they've just now gotten a, a development partner to help build the BAPS 4 project out there for their stadium. I mean, let, let's be honest. The energy have not played since at least 2019 or so. They were supposed to come back this year or last season, but again, that didn't happen. So it makes sense that they would ultimately go into MLS next pro given the stadium situation there in Oklahoma city. Now, with the comings and goings of clubs as well, we got to really look into the fact that there could well be some uh, conference realignments. More than likely, it may be possible that FC Tulsa does the St. Louis FC dance and go- comes back to the Western Conference because two teams, be- two new clubs coming into the fold into the Eastern Conference, and that's going to throw the Western numbers out of whack because of the fact that we've lost one club, San Diego. But who knows how they're going to do the realignment? That's going to be something that uh, we're going to have to look for over the next couple months once the schedule gets released. There's rumors that the schedule may come out in late December from one club's fans, uh, mainly an email they had gotten. But you know, with a lot of these, we have to take it with a grain of salt. Some of them may be spot on; others may just be talking out of their backside. But you know, expect change to happen you know, with this upcoming season. We're going to get realignments. We're going to get new clubs. We we're going to hear rumors, and of course, you know the one thing that we kind of look forward to, but kind of not look forward to, is the annual fire sale transactions. Already, El Paso has given the thank you post to, I believe, seven of their now former players. So now they're on the free market agency. There's been a couple signings here and there. So this is the time that that we. Grow to expect uh, once the uh, playoffs are over, whether we're in the final or whether we're knocked out. So we're going to have to keep a watch over the next few weeks, a uh, couple months. What's going to be in store for us, for Republic FC, for the league, for for U.S. soccer as a whole. So, you know, get, get the seatbelts on because we, we may see some transactions where you just go nuts over. Others, we want to curse up a storm over. And ones that are going to have us shaking our heads in, in general. So, I just, you know, Jared, thanks for all of that. That's such great insight and detail because this is the time of the year we love to hate and we hate to love. You know, it's it's mm. it's just, you know, we're we don't you never know who stay who go. It's hard, and we love our squad, you know, and and then we're always with we are always anxious with who's going to be brought in, you know, who's going to be released and then who's going to be brought in. Are they going to be better than they were? Are we going to change our strategy? Are we going to go from a, you know, playing to Russell Cicerone, Kecko, Dami kind of strategy that we've been playing with Jack Gurr in the mix and, you know, Nick, are we changing that all up and bringing in a different, it's like, we just, can we just hold still for a minute? You know, that's, Mm -hmm. I think what our hearts feel, but we know, like you said, the fire sale, it's inevitable. And either we're going to acquire people, we're going to say goodbye to people. Yeah. One thing I know, so I talked to Josh Cohen, and I think there was a big question mark going on there. I believe Josh is still looking to Europe for a place to play, you know, once everything is settled. But he believes that most likely MLS is one of the things that he's probably going to, that's where his energy is focused. So I know we've seen him at our matches, you know, as just watching our matches. And he's also been training with the club just because, you know, it 
brings up the level of, of training and, and he's solid and he's local. Right. Mm. So I, I, I wouldn't <laughs> don't expect him with us. Yeah. I didn't even know he was going to the matches too, but it's good that you're clarifying that now. Cause it could, it could lead people to think, Oh, we're going to, we're going to get Josh too. And, and all that too. And certainly if Danny were to leave, I, I mean, that'd be a great option to have. Danny can't, <laughs> come back, but... Danny can't leave. You know, he and Sabrina are going to have a baby here in December. And, you know, I, 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 She's got a career here. There's no way. We've got to keep Danny Vidiolo, you know? And I know Carlos, yes. we've we've talked a, a, off and on about, about Carlos, and nobody wants to not play, right? No player mm-hmm. wants to not play. And Carlos, he's good. He deserves to get some pitch time. But look who just won the Golden Glove this year, right? So mm-hmm. this is tough. And I want Carlos to stay, but there's going to be some clubs still looking at him, you know, and willing to, you know, take the next step or Carlos just becomes happier doing what he's doing, which is a tough, that's tough. Yeah. No. Yeah. And if he does come back, I mean, props to him for, for wanting to like come back and and be in that role. But yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if he gets picked up by another uh, USL team. And we find that out soon, but I think the most important transaction we have to keep our eyes out for is a, Will coach be back next season? Because if yes. coach is not back, this team could drastically change entirely. So that's what I want to get confirmation of first. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And what's funny is remember last year when we didn't know if coach was going to be back or not, and then they said that it, they signed him to a multi-year contract. So that's still in existence. The multi-year contract. He and Luis Felipe both uh, were those like. Do we have them for a while? So Luis Felipe and, and coach, if you remember, multi-year mm-hmm. contracts was was what was hosted at, you know, on the that's what that's what we know. Yeah. My only worry is that an MLS team comes by and pays that that clause, right? To which I'm sure they have that in the contract, right? I couldn't see I know they signed the multi-year contracts, but I feel like there's always that clause of like, well, if this happens. Yeah. yeah. So it and there's plenty of MLS teams out there that I'm sure are keeping an eye out for him, especially after making it to the cup final like that. That was such a big like thing that, you know, a lot of people noticed that. So, but hopefully not. I mean, I'm, I'm not saying, I mean, I, I would really like for him to be with us till the day he retires from coaching, <laughs> but uh, we'll, we have to just keep an eye out for that and how that goes on. But thank you so much, everyone for sticking through this podcast. I know it's been a little bit longer than our other ones, but being the last game of the 2023 season for us, it's just, there's a lot of emotions, right? There's a lot of things that we had to let out of our system. And, and I'm sure a lot of you listening can relate to what you're hearing from us too. And so just that, yeah, just thank you everyone for, for doing that. So last final parting words here, Sharon, Jared, before we say goodnight and see you in the next episode with uh, an interview. Oh my goodness. Thank you so much to all of the fans, you know, that show up every time for the games and to folks who actually listen to this podcast, share it with your friends. It's if you have ideas for the podcast, let, let us know. I know Michael's been and Walt's been really good about letting us know Nick, Jorge, you know, we've got John, people have been letting us know what they would like to see more of or different in the podcast. And if you want to be on the podcast, also let us know that as well. Thank you. 10 years. Who'd have thought we'd, we'd get here so fast. Both memories, both great and less than great, but you know, it's a ride that 
you know, we, we all love and don't want to be off of it anytime soon. So here's the start of this second indomitable decade. And we get to start it off with, with you, our listeners. So don't overdo the pink eggnog that comes from the Pepto-Bismol bottle. I mean, it's going to be a rough, <laughs> it's going to be a rough fire sale uh, transaction period, but let's just remember, you know, we, it, it all starts again in February. Hopefully if we get invited down to Tucson again, but if not, March is around the corner and go Republic, Republic for life. Echoing the start of what you mentioned, Jared, 10 years later, who would have thought that we would be still filling up stadiums, going back to Hughes Stadium and filling that up as well. And just showing everyone that, hey, we've gone through so much crap, right? We missed out on MLS because of the whole debacle that happened with the contracts and all that. But yet we still have people that are supporting this team, even if we stay in USL forever. And that's something I know us three here will like be forever thankful for because without people going to games, without people buying stuff at games, there would be no team. There, there would be maybe no podcast as well. We wouldn't be where we're at now. So just thank you everyone for still supporting the team and you know not not giving your back to the team no matter what has happened in these last 10 years. And we've had we've had a roller coaster ride for sure. So just th- thank you for still being a fan of this team that we support each and every week. And even in the off season, we're still remembering moments and we'll be having an episode actually reflecting back on the year and actually reflecting back on the last 10 years since it's the 10th year anniversary. So just a heads up for y'all. All right, everyone. Well, thank you so much for listening to our show. As always, if you'd like to listen off an app, you can also listen to us on saxsoccerpod.com and also leave us a voicemail if you'd like to, and we can replay on a future episode. So y'all have a good night and you'll hear us soon here on Stay of the Republic podcast. Hashtag for glory. Cue the music. All right. Well, y'all, thank you so much for like <laughs> sticking through. I know this is a little longer episode, but you know, being the last episode of regulars. No, I keep seeing regular season. So I need to, not regular season. It's it's playoff time. Let me, let me redo that part right there. Let me yeah thank you the 2023 season finale essentially yeah let me read to that part are you what are you pointing at (laughs) well oh oh, pat thank you (laughs) 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 wow you're just standing there like a like a statue (laughs) the maniac laugh (laughs) jared Oh my god! I should have known. Okay, so what everybody needs to know is Jared was watching the screen. I wasn't watching what was going on behind me, and the damn one of the dang podcast cats, the girl cat, who's just uh, just horrible. Whenever we get on these podcasts, she's up there fussing <laughs> with the jerseys and all that other stuff. And Jared does this quiet signal, pointing up to the corner of his little box. Because we're on Zoom. Oh. Sorry. And uh, <laughs> and I uh. turn around and there she is. Thank you, Jared. Podcast Cat <laughs> yeah. was like, it's it's the final regular, not like, it's the final like <laughs> playoff game. So I got to make an appearance, right? And and cheer them oh, up. Geez. I think I, I think she realized that she's like, they need they need to have some good laughs, right? <laughs> it can't be a, any podcast regardless of what happened on the game. 
uh, without a good laugh. So thank you, Podcast Cat, for uh, giving us a good laugh and uh, and not to and the listeners I as ask. well. <laughs> <laughs>